Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. I'm so glad you could join us today and I'm excited for what we get to do to help you on your relationship with Jesus, to grow in Him and to experience all that you can in your walk with Him. And uh, just so you kind of see around the corner here, our next episode, we're going to make some tweaks to, uh, I just want to be a resource in this next season that we're going into um, of your life and all that God would have for you. And so we're going to do some things experiment with some things to help you out better uh, to experience God more and so stick with us subscribe to the podcast Uh, it's going to be some good things but we got some good things for you today (laughs) Uh, I've got Tim Enlow on the show Tim has uh, been teaching uh, for years and years now on the person of the Holy Spirit and uh, he specializes in traveling around the the country and the world uh, writing on the subject of the Holy Spirit, and as he speaks, he does Holy Spirit conferences, uh, helping people to experience the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it's just, uh, he's got some good stuff to say. I think you're going to see that we had some fun here, so may have gone a couple minutes over our normal time, but that's okay, because it's just good stuff. Tim Enlow uh, has kind of just got that deep well of experience on a subject that some of us may be intimidated. Maybe this is new for you, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit and what he, he brings to your life and uh, the places that he can take you. Sit back, relax, put, let your walls down a little bit. Maybe God has something new for you. I believe he does. Uh, so uh, this will be a good encouragement to you. Maybe in walking with God for a long time, uh, Holy Spirit uh, has been you know, part of your journey the whole way. Still, there's good stuff here. We talk about uh, the idea of uh, you know developing others in that and so much more. So I think you're going to enjoy this. So without further ado, my conversation with Tim Enlow. All right, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Kevin. Man, great to be with you. It's uh, good to chat. Uh, I... We have been doing some stuff online recently together, and so I feel like I'm, you know, like hanging out with you more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry for that too. No, it's, you know, it's good times. I feel like you've heard of iron sharpening iron. This is balsa <laughs> dulling balsa. So. This is this is just scary and sad, but it's good. <laughs> All right. It is a tradition around here that I I try to start somewhere random out nowhere. That's just my first question has to be something like that. And in your case, that's pretty easy. Uh, in my research, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, you you are known. You have in assemblies of God circles. You are known for. Your time at general council, almost every general council, you do something unusual. Uh, this is a, a long a video, a background, or you may de- be denying this. Your face is saying you're denying any involvement in anything. But I'm sorry, I, I don't speak English. I yeah. can understand what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, where where did this the question is where did this start where where did the the craziness or origin story of this craziness so you have to understand my dad's family my dad came from a real poor family outside of st louis great believers and stuff like that but uh, 
not not a lot of means, super faithful. And uh, but they all had they didn't have any money, but boy, were they crazy funny. And uh, so even even my my grandfather, he passed away when he was uh, 90, 90 years old. Yeah, 1990. And uh, and just even before he passed away, he's just hilarious, cracking jokes. So there's Part of the um, his favorite thing would we'd get in a family picture and my grandfather in his late 80s would always go now hey to the photographer now listen I'm make sure you zoom in on me okay you know so this is always the joke you know this kind of thing so so uh, and that you know kind of long long standing family stuff so the first moment of glory on camera that I experienced was at the Shamu the whale uh, <laughs> jumbotron at SeaWorld in its heyday in the big you know, 10,000 seater. And I saw them going around and taking pictures, uh, you know, putting people on the screen. I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if I could get on there picking my nose, which I successfully did to a standing ovation. And, you know, as a 14 year old, that's all you need. And that's about my maturity level anyway. So, you know, the camera hits me at general counsel. I can't be responsible. It, it's, it's a character deficit. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it lands happens to land on you at general counsel, even though you're sand, sitting right where the microphone and the or the video is going to catch you. So, well, after many general counsels, I've 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 been pri I don't mean to sound like a braggart, but I've been privileged to be on camera now um, 16 times at general counsel over 16 different counsels, wow. and uh, and so you know always with something different and hopefully memorable. Um, although some of them I was poorly lit, you have to learn, you know, um, like the time that I did the progressive Jesus, I was poorly lit. I, the first time the camera cut to me at the mic, cause I'm sitting in the spot I had just, you know, I was fine. The next time I had a beard, next time I had a wig, next time I had the white robe, next time I had the blue sash, you know? And so, but uh, it was so poorly lit. You, ha you have to really strain. So anyway, it's, it's irrelevant. I'm a child. I apologize. Everyone. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is good. This is, this is, this, this, I didn't know if I told you this is about as spiritual as we're getting. Yeah. To well, in the immortal words of my grandfather, zoom in on me. That's right. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Speaking of fun, you also, if you, anyone follows you on Instagram, right, you have a, or facebook i guess for that matter uh, you have a well your facebook's with your wife so maybe that's why it's a little more tame yeah. uh, and facebook the people there are typically a little more mean and judgmental so i don't put anything fun on there so instagram is still where the party is at least for me so <laughs> uh, but you put uh, your large collection of random uh pentecostal history i guess and random stuff uh, but <laughs> is this have you been a collector all your life is that of what Pentecostal history stuff? Well, just in general, uh, apparently. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So Sanford and Son was my favorite TV show. Um, collector. Um, no, I have uh, always um, enjoyed old things, uh, particularly old books and stuff like that, and particularly old pneumatology books. But, but uh, so I'm, you know, always looking for that, mostly on the practitioner level, people that are doing it rather than the ivory tower folks. Though I read those as well. Um, but on, when it comes to just eclectic junk, um, I have always enjoyed typographical errors and we will be driving down the road in our RV. This happened many times over the years on the way to a church, whatever. My wife will just look at me. I'm just waiting for her to see it and give me permission. And, and she'll say, you want to turn around though? We'll turn the whole thing around and go back two miles off an exit so I can get a, you know, picture of a sign that says waffle hose instead of waffle house or something stupid like that, you know, or, or church signs are my favorite. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I apologize. It's, 
it's a way that I maintain sanity. Right. Hopefully. But, but the the Pentecostal stuff, has that always been a interest to you? Yeah. So when I was 12 years old, um, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, 14, called the ministry and began to do like Bible studies and stuff, you know, school and other places. But when I was 16, I began preaching. And the first time I ever preached was at a, um, a senior citizen's home, retire, uh, like a, it, it was, some of it was skilled nursing, but kind of like a graduated, you know, ease into the skilled nursing thing. And it was for retired ministers of several different denominations, um, none of which were Pentecostal, which was interesting. And at the end, you know, I, I preached, you know, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead to a room full of people on, on feeding tubes, you know, but I mean, Hey, you know, the gospel works everywhere. But, uh, um, and, and at the end, a little old lady came up to me and she said, you remind me of my husband when he started out all passion and no brains you know? <laughs> and, uh, no common sense. And it's true. And she said, will you be back? I said, I'm going to come back. She said, well, they bring you back. I, I have some of his books up in my room and I'll give them to you. So a couple of weeks later, they asked me to come back, which was, you know, either graciousness or something like that. And, um, and afterwards she came down with a brown paper sack with a bunch of old books in it. One of it was an autographed Wigglesworth book and, um, just some stuff like that. A couple of voice of healing magazines from the fifties and, and uh, she's, I just thought these might, you know, and, and it was God from that moment on just began to put stuff um, into my pathway. I've never asked anybody for books, but, um, over the years, um, I've, God's had me at the right place at the right time to be able to get the input that I needed, um, to really, you know, help us to understand, you know, more than we would have had we not had that input. And so I do, I really love and appreciate our history. Uh, I, it's one of my greatest passions. It's actually a greater passion for me than pneumatology, believe it or not. But, but, um, yeah, do, so that's kind of, kind of all that fine factors in. Do you, uh, I mean, do you like have a, your own little collect, like room that you keep everything? Or I have you... my bat cave. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, <laughs> I have uh, strange things, uh, mostly, mostly books. And I love the periodicals are the favorite, my favorite, cause that's where all the history is. And usually the more rare periodicals, the better, like as in printed on poor paper before anybody became, you know, well-known because it really tells the history of how, how the ministry's progressed. But then I have a bunch of nonsense stuff too. I've got like a, one of my prized possessions is an official, if you know the name CM Ward, yep. I have a CM Ward tie that has crusted food on it. <laughs> wow. Hanging on the wall. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I, I don't know I why. I haven't tasted it. <laughs> yeah. But it how, like how, it. how did you uh, acquire that? I, I gotta know. <laughs> uh, he, he was giving, when he was, when he was in his latter years, um, he was giving his ties away to preachers and he gave me three or four of them and, and all of them had food on it. And over the years I've given away the others and I still have just the one, uh, cause it looked like taters and gravy to me. So, wow. Yeah. Anyway. So, hey, so since we're going a little crazy here to start with, I guess, uh, do you have a favorite crazy story from church Pentecostal history that comes to mind that like, or maybe not the favorite, but you know, one of those, uh, like, this is bizarre. This is our, our heritage. We, we stand proud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so, so there's always at least three factors going on in any human divine interaction. There's the human, there's the divine. And then there's also potentially, you know, the demonic. Um, but I think the biggest role in there that is often neglected is the human side. So oftentimes people receive from the Lord 
and because the Lord comes and meets them in such grace instead of mercy or instead of judgment or something like that, often they find themselves overwhelmed or whatever it might be, and, and the Holy Spirit has a wonderful way of adjusting your brain chemicals too, if it needs to be. And so um, the people, they blame the Holy Spirit on all kinds of things. And one of my favorite uh, kind of wonderful and funny stories, this would have been probably about 30 years ago, I was uh, ministering at a youth camp, and there was a kid there that had had muscular dystrophy um, and had been in a wheelchair um, all of his known life. I think he had early on diagnosed it, but they had had, had some level of a couple steps with assistance, but he's, he's never been able, had never been able to walk unassisted. So he was there in a wheelchair. And at the end of one of the services at the altar, a bunch of kids got around and prayed for him. And man, the kid got up and took a lap running and disappeared. And we were all just like floored. It was one of those kind of awe in the house kind of miracles. And, and it was no leaders doing it. It was really wonderful grassroots Jesus. And so finally I went around looking for him because I wanted to get his testimony. And, and there he is in the bathroom um, standing at the urinal. And I was like, hey, man, come on out and talk. He goes, no, I just need to stay here longer. I'm like, okay, I won't do So I went back in after a little while, and he's, you know, finally he came back out, and I took him to the platform. I said, man, what happened? He goes, he starts crying. He goes, you know, he tells a story, and it's wonderful, the places you're erupting. And he goes, all I've ever wanted to do, even more than walk, is stand up and pee. Matter of fact, I'm going to go back and do it now. And he walked on the platform and right back in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, um, different, you know. Different strokes, but uh, if pretty, pretty funny, you know, and out, outside of context of not knowing, you know, all this guy's story, but kind of fun anyway. That is, that is, that is. So there's the human side of that, you know, and the divines at work and, and that segues right into prayer and ministry of the spirit, right? Oh no, that's, that is, that is so hey, you're true. welcome. Where, <laughs> hey, hey, is there kind of, as you have reflected on church history and kind of Pentecostal history, is there kind of a sense of where we are now in that, that, uh, you know, history, one of the benefits of looking at history is you kind of see patterns and things that uh, maybe people, you know, wouldn't catch that's happening. Uh, anything yeah. you sense right now? No, that's a fantastic question. Um, yeah. So, um, there is always ebb and flow, um, Typically, uh, Pentecostalism has had pretty strong rise, <clears throat> a pretty strong rise in uh, growth coming out of uh, crises, either persecution, war, famine, pestilence, whatever. And I think uh, that that we might be postured coming out of uh, coronavirus and shutdown and economic stuff and political unrest and and you know racial tensions um, and inequalities being brought to uh, you know a new head and new platform again. Um, these are if we would navigate this properly, um, we could really see a mighty move of God. I, I know God always wants to move. I don't believe that there is some you know wheel of fortune in heaven where God spins it once every hundred years and click 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 you know. Djibouti, you know, Des Moines. Okay, you know, there we go. Click. Hey, Des Moines, you're a winner, you know. Um, it's it's just not that way. He always wants to move and pour his spirit out. But, you know, it's like like Isaiah says, the poor and needy search for water. And, and um, God typically pours out his spirit on the underdog, on the oppressed, on the people that recognize they need him and are dependent upon him rather than the ones that are rich, increased with goods and have need of nothing, which is... Code for wretched, poor, miserable, blind, <laughs> naked. Um, 
in the Bible codes there. Uh, but um, yeah, so where I see us at just kind of viewing with that, with that in mind um, and thinking of the Pentecostal world right now, um, most Pentecostal churches are um, very mild, um, kind of evangelical uh, with a little bit of Red Bull, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, uh, you know, the more caffeinated worship or whatever it is, but not a lot of demonstration. Um, and all of this, I think, relates back to a lack of interactive spirituality, of which the core would be prayer. Um, prayer is often demonstrated in our services as a priestly thing, and it's not interactive. There's not, you know, we, we give the lion's share of the service to singing songs, which is great. Um, maybe not the lion's share, but I mean, we, it's, it's fine, but there's very little time put towards people praying. And biblically speaking, the more we pray, the more God works in our life is a pretty easy proverb to come, come to from Genesis to Revelation. So seeing where we're at, I, um, I think we're postured for a great move of God, but I'm afraid if we do not, uh, return to an organically biblical and Pentecostal interactive spirituality that focuses on prayer, um, I think we'll miss it. So it's, uh, it's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of watching and seeing, you know, uh, interactive spirituality. Uh, how does, how do you see that? playing out in in say a tradition i mean in a evangelical church on, on red bull how how would how would they yeah. move how would they move to more of that what does well, that look like for you well i think um leaders generally and and let me preface this by saying i have only ever in 30 years of traveling and ministry with all these different pastors and stuff like that i've only ever been around two knucklehead pastors all the and once uh, in jail and the other ones I don't know where he is now probably America's most well, seriously and and so everyone else we've ever dealt with have been wonderful you don't dive into ministry because you're like mm, this is my life's ambition of accum mass accumulation with minimal stress you know it's it's just not it's not on the it's not the way that works and so um, so understanding that um, I have however I've never been around other than those two people I've never been around ministers that I felt were disingenuous or whatever, but I have been around a lot, including myself on occasion, um, overly busy, overly distracted and wrong prioritized ministers. And so what happens is, you know, you look and unfortunately you watch the, it's the, the turnstile and the till that tend to rule the decision-making in the church. Um, subconsciously, most often it's usually not consciously that you're going, Hey, I'm going to, you know, run this church by, by money and, you know, and those things, but it, but it happens because if people are leaving, you go, what's wrong? Well, there, where are they going? They're going to the church that has their stage painted black and has, you know, smoke and whatever. So, well, maybe we need to paint our stage black and get smoke. And, you know, a lot of the peripheral adjustments get made that way. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where I think a lot of times, like if you remember an old fashioned TV where you had, you know, knobs, remember TV with knobs? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. So, you know, you have the volume knob, you have the channel click, click, click knob, UHF and VHF. Then you have all the tint contrast, contrast colors and all that stuff. It wasn't a sub menu on your touchscreen. And um, and I think a lot of times churches are looking for they want to have greater spiritual encounter, but they also want to have reach more people. And so they'll go and they'll turn the color knob or the tint knob or the contrast knob 
and instead of turning the volume knob and you know turning turning the correct knob and uh, I think having the wisdom to say hey the reason why people come to church is because they want to experience God so let's turn that knob up who care people will meet in a barn in a tent I preach under trees in Africa all the time you know they'll go anywhere if God's there and a crowd will come and it's still the same today um, you know, I think of church marquees, you know, you drive out by and it's kind of like a competition between churches of who can have the tritest cliche on their marquees, you know, not my way, but Yahweh or whatever it is, putrid. I've, I've actually done a spit take several times. Um, but, uh, it's like, what in the world are you, you know, why not put out on your marquee? Hey, um, prayer for children with learning disabilities this week, or, or is your family struggling with cancer prayer this Sunday for your family, you know? Um, and actually, actually use the supernatural, you know, bait, so to speak, that God has put in, and then make sure you pray for him and really care and love. And, and you'll find that, that people are responsive when we meet their needs. It's sure better than we brew Starbucks. I mean, what does that mean? Starbucks brew Starbucks and it tastes better there, you know, (laughs) but, uh, but Hey, we're, you know, our, uh, special prayer for this or special prayer for that. People want to encounter God. Um, another great one is, um, you know, uh, we love single moms is a most wonderful church marquee because now all of a sudden you're, you're catering to the people that God is really near to in heart, his heart of compassion. So you're aligning yourself with the mission of Jesus and, um, and you're going to see people there that you're not going to typically see. And with single moms come children with whom God loves so desperately as well. And, uh, you really have great open doors and then, you know, you have to have facilitate ministry uh, if you don't have it currently in place. But those sorts of things bring an interactive spirituality. It's the two-way conduit between the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, which is more than singing somebody else's songs, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And when you get that when you get that flow, if you and I are the pipe in that, and we get the flow going from God to us and from us to others, I mean, I think that's what revival is. Hey, I love that. Hey, that's... I... Obviously, with me that that, that resonates uh, quite well, uh, and and I think we'll we're, we're gonna circle back to that. I mean, no, no, let's just go there now. Oh, we'll go, I'll, I'll forget the order. Uh, if uh, since you're known for teaching on the Holy Spirit and you're known for uh, one of the things that I see as I travel around is kind of the the spirit of weird that uh, is associated with the topic of, of of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like there's a fear if we turn up the volume, so to speak, uh, of uh, allowing... uh, My metaphors are going to fall apart here, but it's trying to get a point. We're trying to uh, let God invade our space and interactive spirituality but as people are learning to walk in the things of the spirit and leaning into that voice they mess up uh, because we're learning that's just the nature of it and so you kind of it's almost like there's a fear of going that direction how as a leader how do you navigate uh, allowing people to make mistakes and learn the life of the spirit, learn to listen to his voice, but at the same time, uh, you know, or maybe you can't, I don't know. Maybe that's the dumb question from that standpoint. You can't uh, eliminate the spirit of weird completely. Uh, if you're going to walk down that path. Well, the only dumb question I've ever heard is may I have more liver and onions, please? 
other than that, every other question is good. No, I, I, you know, it's a great question, and I'm, I'm sure others could answer it more completely than I'm going to be able to. But what I found is, like I said earlier, you have whenever you're dealing with human interaction with the supernatural, you have those three um, entities at play. You have God, you have the human, and you have the demonic going on. Well, none of us want the demonic, but most people say things like this, and I hear it in prayer. Lord, I just want it to be all you and none of me. Well, then you should just be dead then. because <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, that's not how God works. And if the Lord is not afraid, I mean, you've read the Bible, right? God's not afraid to deal with people's messy misunderstandings and problems. And that's what ministry is. It's not nice and clean and, and, and slick. And so as a leader, if you um, you know, the question I like to ask myself is if I feel like something has gone well is why do I feel like it's gone well? So like uh, after a Sunday morning service, if you sit in your recliner getting ready to watch, you know, the, the Vikings lose or whatever, and you, and you sit back and you go, um, boy, that was a great Sunday morning. Ask yourself, why was it a great Sunday morning? Because things went slick and smooth and there was no apparent hitches in your previously made plans. Um, because if so, then you're saying of those three entities in, involved in supernatural transaction, I want my human perfection to dominate that. And that's kind of a gross spot to be. I'm just going to be honest. But on the other hand, there are people that just check their brains at the door and they go, you know, well, you know, I haven't studied, haven't read my Bible for eight years, but let's get in here and sing songs and work up the foam on our cappuccino spiritually until until somebody has a hot flash or a vision or a medical emergency and either way we'll think it's the Lord and you know they just kind of let it go and and, uh, and that's not acceptable either and neither it is is acceptable to for for us to be open to the demonic so I mean that's pretty obvious but that does happen I mean you have you have people that are um, you know Christians can certainly have you know we're all tempted uh, we can certainly have at least some base level influence uh, and one of the greatest temptations that come to Christians, and especially Christians that are full of the spirit is spiritual pride. So, so say you do something, say Kevin, it's, it's your preaching and all of a sudden you just feel inside that you're just supposed to get down, clear off the communion table and break dance on it. You know, <laughs> uh, you just, just burning in your heart, you know, you know, you forgot to have breakfast and you have low blood sugar, but you're, you're just, you know, just the best of your, so you do it. Well, afterwards you realize it's, it's not God cause it didn't go so well and you broke your hip. Um, but, but human pride comes in and the enemy comes in and goes, well, you don't want to say you're wrong, you know, and those sorts of things, how you'll have a prophecy or something that kind of goes off the rails and people dwell there. I just, that was God. That was all God, you know, this sort of stuff. I think the easiest way for leaders to create an environment is to be transparent uh, in their own life and in their teaching and in their uh, leadership of how they interact with those three entities on these things. And um, I try to, in teaching on manifestations of the Spirit and things like that, I spend quite a bit of time on the human part. Because typically, I mean, yeah, I mean, the devil's there and you're going to attempt it. But if you love Jesus and pray and read your Bible, he, he works that kink out pretty good. But the, the one that we really have the most problem with is, is our own human ego, which can certainly be influenced by the enemy as well, but hopefully influenced by the Holy Spirit. And so I like to ask leaders when I'm doing minister sessions this question. Number one, a couple questions. Have you ever been in a service where it got crazy and went off the rails? <laughs> now, if you're in a, a group of, I don't know, 500 ministers or something, you would be surprised. It will be the, a handful. I mean, maybe out of 500, it might be 
10 hands. Really? And so I go, okay, so for everyone who didn't just raise your hand, what are you waiting for? You know, you've, <laughs> you've never, you've never been there. You're afraid of, you know, you're, you're afraid of chocolate pudding if you've never tasted it right now. You know, it's, it's actually pretty good. And then number two, I'll ask of those of you that were in the meeting that went crazy and got off the rails and it was like bad, how many of you were leading that service that had got off the rails? And only ever one time in asking this question for years now, I've had one person raise their hand. And afterwards, when I talk with them, they actually misunderstood the question and they weren't leading the service. So what I'm saying is that good leaders are typically afraid of that have a fear of things going off the rails or have an unrealistic fear. If you're a good leader, you're not going to let it get there. And I found like, for example, say you're in a service. This happened um, just two weeks ago in, in Milwaukee. Um, at the end of the service, I was kind of doing like a Holy Spirit gifts lab where people can kind of listen. I, up front, I set up the rules. I mean, I would never do this on a Sunday morning with everybody there, but people that are really wanting to draw near, taking extra effort. I go, look, the rules are here when we open this up that it could get a little weird and crazy. I'll try as a leader not let it get there. I mean, nothing would ever get scary. We're going to stay biblical, but we're going to give people the latitude to make mistakes because we want them, if they're going to make mistakes, we want them to make mistakes in this kind of an atmosphere so we can learn from them. And how many of you will cut each other slack, you know, and everyone raised their hand. Okay. So it usually starts out a little tight, and it did there too. But um, at the at the um, end of the uh, service, you know, here comes, we get had a bunch of people healed, people getting words of knowledge and a prophecy and, you know, tongues and interpretation. And uh, the first interpretation was like two words, I'm the, and then the person stopped and then somebody picked it up and, and it's okay. We deal with it. And, you know, but as a leader, the moment that stuff happens, I, I was actually in the audience kind of, cause we're social distancing. I was kind of pacing the aisle praying, but the moment that people began to speak up, I, as a leader with microphone in hand, walked right up, right back front and center in the platform. I still let people go and do what they were doing, but I wanted everyone that was uncomfortable to know, Hey, there's, there's a leader here, you know? And just, just by sheer presence, and I always make sure I'll, you know, after utterance in tongues, I'm going to hop right in and, you know, hey, we're waiting. For those of you that are new, this is what's going on. The biblical protocol is that someone else gives the interpretation. But if no one else is present that does that, then the person that gave it should pray that they may interpret the Bible says. So that's this is the protocol we're waiting on. I know silence is awkward, but, hey, let's be awkward for a few moments together. And just letting everybody know, because you can't assume people have any knowledge on this. But I found things like that kind of being parental and um, and giving people a lot of space to make mistakes, but letting them know that, hey, it's cool, but we'll learn from these. Uh, it sets up an atmosphere um, where where people can receive and experience those things. Uh, I love that. Uh, humility is one of, the, one of the things when I'm teaching similar things, I... I talk about the importance of humility in the process because if if you're willing to make mistakes you're gonna if you're gonna prophesy over someone rather than saying starting off thus saith the Lord you might say you know this is my first time doing this I'm kind of sensing something along this yeah. line as opposed to you know freaking people out and not giving them a, a space there. Well, and that just goes too with the going back to those three entities involved in supernatural transaction. You know, for someone to say, I know the Lord spoke this to me is fine for them to say that because they know what they mean by that. But the person you're saying that to doesn't know what that means. And so I found to be really honest to say, okay, so 
to the best of my ability after prayer, I feel like I'm supposed to say this to you, but I submit this to you because at the end of the day, you're going to know whether this is God or not. And if it's troubling, you know, it's not God. And if, and if it's not, please tell me, cause I need to know, I don't want to walk away, you know, with bad body odor and not realize it, you know? I, um, so, so help me, you know, and, and, and submit yourself in that way because spiritual promptings are not empirical or intellectual. They are spiritual. And so you weigh them with different systems. And, and like you're saying, operating in humility on those things makes the person relax. First of all, that's receiving that or the group that's receiving it. And we realize this is not an all or nothing thing where it's not like we're voting in new material to add to the Bible. I mean, that's done. So, uh, so it's okay. People will make mistakes. And as long as, as a, a leader, like you're talking about, you're kind and, and try to model humility. Let me throw a Pentecostal history quote at you. My right. very favorite of all times, the late Dr. Charles S. Price passed away in 1947. Tremendous man of God. My favorite quote of his humility is a virtue so fragile that the moment one realizes they have apprehended it like sand, it has already slipped between their fingers. Wow. That's, 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 that's pretty good. rich, huh? That's good. I, I, I did get a humility badge once, but they took it away because I wore it. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As the old hymn says, Lord, it's hard to be humble. Right? That's right. Or the Bible. Now Moses was the humblest man who ever lived in the Pentateuch. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> All right. We won't go there. <laughs> Because then, then they'll shut us off for sure. But <laughs> hey, let me let me throw just a, since we're kind of being a little a little random. Let me throw a book title in here. Anyone that's interested in God really working on humility and pride in your life, um, one of the the best book ever on this subject. A book called Forbidden Glory: Portraits of Pride by the late Judson J U D S O N Cornwall. Like the British general Judson Cornwall was uh, some was a God guy early on, and uh, and then became kind of the leading teacher of the Charismatic Renewal, and was a real mentor in my life. But that was his second to last book, and it is on my yearly rotation. It is a biblical theology of pride and humility in the Bible, and it is brutal. He makes Finney <laughs> when if you read Charles Finney after reading or, or or Ravenhill after reading that particular book, it feels like Norman Vincent Peale. It feels comforting. <laughs> Um, I mean, it is, it's, it's, he's right on. It's brutal though, man. It, but it's, it will really good night. So it's forbidden. What was the For, forbidden glory? Forbidden glory. Okay. And then there's a colon portraits of pride by Judson, J U D S O N Cornwall, Cornwall. All right. We'll put that in the show notes for people. Speaking of books, uh, you and your wife wrote a book on kids in the Holy Spirit. If, uh, if I did my research correct, is that okay? No, no, yeah, no, no, we did. Yeah, I thought I'd be hanging for a moment. <laughs> this blank look on your face, like, <laughs> I'm like, I just did an Amazon search. This is, yeah. this is <laughs> that's right. a different amen. Yeah, no, no, yeah, we did years ago when our kids were little. We were interested uh, um, in trying to communicate spirit baptism to our kids. And so what a better time to try to articulate it. And so through trial and error, trying to articulate it to our kids, that book kind of came out of that. Uh, what, what do you find uh, nowadays? I mean, so my daughter's 13 years old, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, as a parent, uh, I'll just make it personal here. How, how would you advise through her teenage years 
navigating her into the gifts and deeper with the Holy Spirit, things like that? Wow, that's a great question too, Kevin. Um, one of the things that we tried to do with our we have three sons with our sons was to try to talk about all of this stuff pretty openly. So now they, you know, our sons grew up traveling on the road with us. So they, I mean, they lived in an RV more than they were in a house. Um, but uh, they, we would after church, uh, we would typically decompress with them. We'd go, you know, I mean, we didn't make church the whole whole world, but if something happened. Um, or if God was really moving, I would make sure to go get my sons and bring them right in the middle of it, you know? So if they were back, because we, we gave them a lot of latitude. I mean, if they wanted to play Star Wars people in the pews, I mean, when they were kids, they didn't have to be like, we didn't want to make them hate church and, you know, all that stuff. But if something was happening, um, like I remember when our middle son, when he was four, he really began to get interested in praying with people. So I would take him and take him in my arms and I would go and pray with people with him in my arms and he'd say, hey, buddy, lay your hand on their shoulder and a lot of times the people were like, what in the world? But, you know, very often God would touch them or heal them when four-year-old kid would lay hands on them. I mean, why not? But uh, but then afterwards, hey, this is what's going on. Or we also would, um, if things were maybe not as clear-cut, like desirable, uh, we would talk with them about it and say, hey, here's what's going on. This is between us. We're family, so we can talk this way. Here's what's going on. And so we want to make sure that that they're able to sort out because they we don't want anyone to have such a black and white life um, that they say it, everything's God or, or everything's the devil because it's just not that clear. Because then when anything associated with God goes off the rails, they go, well, therefore, God's not real or he's bad or whatever. So we always wanted to try to give them that ability. And so so with uh, the long answer to that is trying to be transparent. So like when one of our sons um, began to kind of get some words of knowledge and visions and stuff like that. When I saw that happening, I pulled him aside and go, look, I don't want to invade on this. I want you to seek the Lord, but, and I don't know everything about this either, but sometimes just talking about it with people is really helpful. And there were people that I talked to that really helped me. Then if you I know I'm your dad, but if you need that resource, I'm here. And there are so many times, you know, he's called over the years in ministry now, but he's called over the years going, Hey, I sense this felt this. what do you think this is? And, and a lot of times I don't have to say anything just by him, you know, talking it out gives him the place for that or, or he begins to know what to do. Uh, and um, so, you know, those sorts of things, just being being a resource, removing the idea that these things are too sacred to talk about. Well, if they're too sacred to talk about, then they shouldn't be in the Bible, you know. But Paul says, hey, about these things, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, so I, let's let's talk about those and creating that sort of atmosphere. That's good notes for myself. That's that's good. Since I asked it for myself, that's a good that's good notes for. Well, you think about it. You think about it with you know with your daughter. So she's been raised in an environment that you know with you and your wife um, and your convictions, laying aside ministry, but your convictions about having a dynamic, interactive spiritual life. That is automatically, if if any of that is imparted to her at all, which of course it will be and is. Uh, she's going to start having encounters and she's going to start sensing, feeling, hearing, uh, because she's in that interactive spirituality is what tunes your radio to hear the Holy Spirit, who is, if Jesus said the father is always working and so am I, you better believe the Holy Spirit's not sitting on a lawn chair, drinking lemonade, reading the paper, you know? So, you know, he's always working. And so when you tune yourself to hear his promptings and leadings, you're going to find that the, the promptings of the spirit are most often not affirmational as an all, you're my favorite, 
but they're most often activational saying, I want you to go and do something. And so he comes upon us for a purpose. And so when your daughter starts feeling those things, I mean, you'll probably, I've learned more from my kids interacting with the Holy Spirit, you know, than maybe I have in other ways in life. And so just keeping those communication lines open, but that's normal. We want our kids to experience that, right? I mean, it's, you know, for someone maybe that's listening and you go, oh, well, Kevin, you know, he's a prayer guru and, you know, whatever. And, and Tim, he's a, you know, ex-convict. And for, <laughs> for those sorts of folks, you know, you might think, listen, if, if you'll lead your kids and model it for them and pray and you don't have to be perfect, but just be honest and lead them in interactive spiritual life, they're going to start hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. They're going to start getting promptings and you're going to be able to maybe work through some of those things with them if you keep the communication lines open. Hey. We only have time for a few more questions, but uh, if uh, if that person, because you just kind of shifted it to that person who's just listening and uh, feeling, maybe it feels outside of the, the scope of uh, what, <laughs> yeah, that's for somebody else. Uh, what encouragement would you give them for their own journey? I, I loved, I, in my research for this, you talked to, about how, especially we're assemblies of God. So in our camp, uh, we're, we're really good at that uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit first, you know, speak in tongues, but then we sometimes stop there. Uh, yeah. Most uh, often stop there. Uh, actually. Uh, what, what encouragement would you give to the person who has stopped there and, you know, the whole uh, journey of the relationship is kind of stalled, maybe, so to speak? Well, I think the average Pentecostal, um, and particularly classical Pentecostal, of which the Assemblies of God is is uh, would find its place, um, we are so tongues focused, and there's a lot of biblical theology on why we look for that to be the confirming sign. But tongues is not the baptism of the Spirit; it is merely the the sign in the Bible that records saying this is the sign the apostles recognized. So. So, yeah, we believe it's the initial physical evidence or whatever I prefer, prophetic confirmation or confirming sign. But oftentimes, we, because we talk about it so much, people get to that spot and they do that, but we don't ever instruct them what to do afterwards. So we have rooms full of people who can speak in tongues and don't have a clue how to talk to their neighbor. And so I like to, I like to deconstruct it a little bit and in person's experience and go, tell me about when you experienced and. Well, I was at, you know, I don't know, make it up a camp altar and the evangelist whacked me on the head and I fell over and, you know, spoke in tongues and we well, ate pizza afterwards or whatever it is. Well, so I'll go back and say, let's, let's, let's look at Acts chapter two. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The actual chronology of that verse is they were filled with the Holy Spirit, i.e. the Holy Spirit came upon them. Then the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance and then they spoke it is actually the chronology that took place because they spoke as the Holy Spirit was giving them the utterance. And so to, to deconstruct that is to say, you as a believer, you know now how to have an interactive spiritual encounter. You can press in, draw near to the Lord in prayer, seek him until you experience him. And then when you're experiencing him, you can sense his promptings. And then you're also able to weigh them and say, I believe this is God enough to the point with faith to act upon them and speak them out loud or, you know, or do them. So this is what spirit baptism is getting getting uh, to the place in your maturity where you're able to draw near to the Lord. And when he's upon you, hear his voice and weigh them and say, this is what God wants me to do about it and act on it. So what good is it if you speak in tongues, if you can't talk to other people? So why not do the same thing rather than just waiting till the fifth key change of, 
you know, Proud Mary or whatever song is in worship on Sunday, why not get in work and in your car on the way to work, get yourself prayed up in that place where you can hear his voice and then say, Lord, show me who am I supposed to talk to? What am I supposed to say? And, um, and if it doesn't happen at first, it's fine to stay in that zone as best as you can and start hearing his voice because God didn't call us to speak in tongues, though we do, and it's biblical. That's not the point. The whole point of tongue speaking is it's a sign confirming to us that we now have had a prophetic encounter where the subtitles are turned on on our DVD now, and we can we can see things we couldn't see before when we draw near. And if you're a spirit-baptized believer that's, you know, you've spoken tongues twice in 1988 or whatever it was, um, maybe it's time to draw near to the Lord and spend some time and welcome Jesus to freshly pour out his Holy Spirit and, and clean the electrical contacts in your spiritual life so you can, you can see, hear, sense, feel, experience again. And you'll have an ebb and flow to sensitivity. That's fine. It's no big deal. But if it's been a long time, like the old hymn says, you've lost that love and feeling. Um, it's been a long time. And, you know, then that should be an alarm bell and say, hey, if all I've ever done since I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit is occasionally speak in tongues, then, you know, you're not really walking in what that's all about. It's, it's not about speaking in tongues. It's about speaking what God wants you to speak in your known language to other people. So that's kind of kind of how I, I walk people kind of backward through that, um, because the here's the really pukey terminology. The achievement of tongue speaking is that as gross as can be. All right. Is not the point. It's it is the ability to get in his presence, hear his voice, be able to discern that it's him and by faith act upon it, have the bravery, boldness to act upon what God wants you to do. That's what the power you receive to be witnesses is really all about. That's that's a wonderful look, and I know this is your this is your wheelhouse right there. I I, I remember uh, early since you're the archives guy, you like the uh, back in the Pentecostal Evangel Online when I was early in ministry. I I wrote actually wrote about uh, submitted an article. Uh, I'm sure it's gone now, but uh, they where they talk they they put up and they talked about how uh, tongues is kind of like the wedding. Uh, your wedding day and uh, that if you just celebrate the wedding yeah you celebrate the wedding but uh, if that's where you end the relationship you're missing out on all that there is with that and yeah uh, that's kind of you you said it in much more practical well, terms but that's good the, <laughs> the uh, illustration I'm a metaphor guy because I'm a teacher by calling and so uh, the best illustration ever God gave me like 25 years ago, I was going into uh, Sam's Club to buy a TV. It was a tube TV. And on the way out, I have it on a cart, you know, shows you the date. And the person at the door, armed with their fluorescent marker, which is a terrible weapon, wanted to see my receipt. And I, I thought for a moment, just standing there, I'm like, oh, okay, this is perfect. Can you imagine if I would say to the person with the fluorescent marker, you know what? That's a big box. You keep that. I'll, I'll be, that's mine, right? Well, yeah, the receipt's legal proof. It's mine. Okay. And I went home and I taped that receipt on the wall where I wanted to put my TV and I never went back and got the TV. That's what people do that receive the baptism, of the spirit speak in tongues, but don't ever do anything with it. They've left the actual product at church. You know, the tongues is the sign. It's the receipt. It's the proof, but it's not the gift. It's like, uh, for, you know, for Minnesota, uh, context here, tongues is the size of St. Paul but spirit baptism is the size of Minnesota and tongues is located within spirit baptism. It serves specific purposes. It's beautiful, 
And, and, but it's not the point. It's not the same thing as, it's not a synonym for spirit baptism. Well, uh, I'll, I'll argue with you that, uh, that's your best metaphor. Cause I really like your donut stuff, but I'll leave that for, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, well, I'll le- always go better. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. leave that for people to research you and find out your donut illustration. Cause that's good stuff right there. Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, I'll be stealing that from here on forward. Go here. for it. <laughs> go for uh, it. As as we're wrapping up, uh, and I realize uh, maybe we're just getting too comfortable. We've been doing too many of these things because I I, you know, I could just flow for a long time now. But <laughs> uh, if uh, if you, I'll give you one question, then we'll we'll jump into anything anywhere you want to send people. Uh, all the resources you sell sell your product or whatever you know that kind of well i'm uh, doing non-essential oils right now okay excellent. non-essential oils that's yeah. good uh if <laughs> but kind of where is the holy spirit stretching you nowadays uh you've been hey we didn't even get into your whole story uh, uh calling at 14 uh that whole thing but dang I'm guessing if the state of Minnesota is, you know, that's a large area. And this God's still stretching me. God's still pushing me every day. Uh, is there any areas that you kind of like, uh, I want to move there or God's speaking to this is kind of where I'm. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the mandate that I felt when I was 14 years old being called the ministry was that our ministry was to teach on the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, honestly, that meant I'd be a Sunday school teacher or maybe a Bible college. I didn't know, because uh, really what we do is not really consider preaching, because preaching you have to be like a good communicator and yell a lot and flail. And I don't know when to flail, I'm not, <laughs> unless I'm being tased. Um, I, and I don't know when to elevate my voice and the, you know whatever, I, I'm not, that's just not me. It, and so um, just going to kind of teach, but the Lord laid in my heart uh, that if we could just get people to pray, that he would always pour a spirit out upon them. And, you know, that's, this is just the case when people begin to interact with the Lord spiritually and with prayer comes humility and all these things. Uh, it just opens up the conduits. It's like Drano in your spiritual pipes prayers. It just opens up your connection to the Lord. And, um, so that's another good metaphor there for you, uh, which you may need if you eat too many donuts. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, but, but yeah, so the way God is stretching us is, you know, we, we also, um, when I was 16 years old felt, uh, call to missions and didn't know what that was because I didn't feel that it contradicted. So I thought, well, maybe I'll be teaching in a Bible school overseas. So over the years, we've traveled a lot abroad and, and done those things. But but I feel like what the Lord is is laying on our hearts to do, and it's been about a year now, is um, getting more streamlined, getting more effective um, at what we're doing, making the most of the opportunities. So now, like when we go in and do stuff at churches, we'll be doing stuff with a bunch of churches and pastor stuff and altar worker training for any churches that want to come and just anything we can while we're there, man, shoot, we're there already. Let's, let's do stuff that will, you know, uh, bless the church more, the same stuff overseas and uh, God's, God's expanded that kind of stuff, but just trying to get smarter rather than haphazard, trying to get more strategic, um, realizing that not every open door is where God wants you at that moment, you know, and trying to, trying to sort that out. Um, and then, of course, you know, coronavirus, which is this is being taped in the kind of the middle of that. But uh, uh, and we're actually we are using magnetic tape, if anybody's wondering. Um, <laughs> the, but uh, that's that's kind of thrown all that off. So during this time, um, I've been able to uh, really just dive in headlong and uh, God's just kind of refresh strategy in our lives and things. 
But essentially, though, the new thing that he's doing is he's just focusing the things he initially spoke to us. So I'm okay with that because, you know, that's, you know, if he would told me, go sell Mary Kay, I'd be like, Lord, I don't know how to do that, you know. And I mean, I, you know, you don't, you, you, you do, the weird thing about ministry is as, as you do it, you do begin to assimilate skills. But the bad part about that is you can begin to depend upon the learned skills and less and less upon the Lord. And that's a real challenge. So this calling from the Lord on us right now to get more strategic, more effective, um, has really challenged, um, you know, relying on old skills. So where can people, uh, learn about you anywhere you want to send them beyond your Instagram? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, if you go to Instagram, that's nonsense. I warn you on there most often <laughs> Facebook, we try to keep it cause there's a lot of mean people there and I'm sure not the, not your listeners. <laughs> But those other podcast That's listeners right. are the worst. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, there's Facebook and Instagram. Um, our website is real easy. It's uh, Tim Enloe E N L O E dot com. It's a real easy way to get there, and that's, you know, there's links and stuff on there. There's a bunch of free resources on there, too. You know, free is great unless it's liver and onions. And so there's all kinds of free stuff on there. There's free audio. There's free video. There's even for people that print their emails, you can even download and print PDF stuff if you want. There's stuff in there in, like, nine languages, including Romulan. So you can, oh, uh, yeah, uh, live long and prosper. All That's right. right. <laughs> so, and that reminds me, Kevin, I'm just really feeling, and I don't know if this is me or this is a prophecy, but I'm just really feeling a pull that you're supposed to go reach the unreached people of Tatooine. I just really feel that. I, 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 I received I don't know, maybe that. That's, maybe that's just me. I, I actually, uh, this is a side note, but I was hoping to go there because where, <laughs> where it's filmed uh, in Tunisia, right? Right, and uh, I have already taken a trip there in the past, and so have you really? Yes. Oh, I want to go to Tunisia really bad, but not not to the place where they filmed. So I I want to take a return visit and go back there. So that's that, that's been in the works. So I'll take it as a word. <laughs> One of my goals, I want to preach in every North African country, and that's probably not something God has for me, but that's just something I love. I love the. Uh, uh, the Muslim dominated areas of the world and love seeing what God is doing there. And we had some great ministry in Morocco and some other areas up there, Egypt and stuff, but I'd love to do Tunisia, Algeria, Libya. The, oh, oh man. All right. Now, now, now we, we've gone over our time, but we actually oh, have, no, no, no. Now we, we just have a plan We're you and we will go together. That's, Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready to go. And, and then we'll never come back, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. It's, yeah, thank uh, you, man. It's a hey, We love and appreciate you guys, your family, your ministry. Um, you know, you guys are so well respected um, in the in church circles and beyond, but uh, and among your peers, God has really used you guys and it continues to use your books and your resources and all that stuff. And it's just an honor for us to be able to be associated with you. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as obviously I had in having it. Uh, and I hope it was a resource to you as you think about all that God would have for you as you pursue him with a passion, pursue him for him to nudge you into the new places that he would have. And uh, speaking of that, as I mentioned at the front, uh, we have some exciting things coming down the road with this uh, podcast that I want to be a, more of a resource to you. And uh, you'll hear about 
about that more on the next episode. But just want to say now, um, subscribe, come on the journey with us. Uh, let, let's see what God would do in and through our lives. If you're looking for the resources uh, that we talked about in this episode, you can find it at ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. And just click on this episode and you'll find all those uh, listed there. And you can uh, learn more about our ministry while you're there. Uh, check us out, all the resources that we have. Because we, we're just all about helping you to experience God, to know Him, to that it's not about an intellectual knowledge, but an uh, encounter with Him. And so uh, just check us out again. as ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. And why don't you share it with a friend? Uh, so they can be blessed as well. Uh, God bless you as you go. And until next time, thanks for listening.